no matter what our season of life may look like, you may be living one of the richest seasons of life, which is being a grandparent and being close to your grandkids and, and just loving on them. Or, or maybe you're, you're just living the life right now in your job. Things are going well from you. You're, you're having that season that you have been asking and waiting for. Maybe you're a parent and, and you are seeing God do awesome things through your kids. Maybe you have just sent some kids off to college and, and you need to receive some prayer, okay, after this as you grieve and, and go through that difficult transition. But maybe things are just happening in life and you're just being bombarded by obligations and by circumstances that are weighing you down. Wherever we are this morning, I hope that you leave here a little lighter. That is gonna be my aim Today, as we start off a new series called Rhythms, here's the thing. We all live according to a certain pace in our life. We have natural rhythms, and we're going to look at some holy rhythms of grace that God has given us so that we can pace ourselves and actually find joy and peace and gladness in this life. If you need some of that, I want to see your hand. If you need some rest and some a respite, a deep breath. So can we all just do that right now together and just exhale together, take a deep breath? <sighs> Sometimes we just need to remember that God's got it. And I'm gonna take us a bit forward to see these rhythms that he's given us to walk with and take up so that we can have that rest no matter what life may throw our because again, we all have this natural rhythm. Jacob, can I ask for you to come? Uh, Jacob is going to come. He's going to play some drums. He's going to hit the natural heartbeat of some of us. So some of us, uh, our resting heartbeat is about 60, depending on our age, health, all that stuff. Some of us may be at 100. Uh, don't test yourself and don't, don't do that now. You can do that at home and then you can make an appointment as necessary. But we have, we have a natural rhythm in our hearts and it kind of goes like this, it's about 75 beats per minute. God wired us that way, to have a natural pace. So what happens is we wake up in the morning and that's, we're right there. And we have some coffee and then we're really right there. You know what I mean? We're ready for the day. But then we start driving and we realize I'm running a little late. So we start getting ahead just a little bit, see, just a little bit ahead. And then more and more, we realize people need stuff from us and our kids forgot their stuff. So we're going back to the house to pick things up for them so that they remember or they have what they need. And then by the time we get throughout the day, we're walking and running at a pace that is way over the top and overwhelming. What happens? We get burned out. You go so fast. There are so many things that need our attention and our time, and we're driving here, and we're driving there, and we end up exhausted. Another thing happens. We start going, and then we start thinking, I don't have what it takes. I'm not like that person. They seem to have it all together. What's wrong with me? So instead of accelerating, we drag to the point that we want to give up. The rhythms that God has given us in the Bible prepare us, equip us, 
so that we can have a healthy pace of life so that whenever, whatever happens in life, we can stay right here. Shoot, we can even jiggy with it. There it is. We can dance through life. We can have a rhythm that is fun and we can have different uh, rhythms as we go through our life. And remember, Lord, we want to stay in step and in tune with you. Let's give it up for Jacob. Thank you, Jacob, for modeling our heartbeat. There are rhythms that are ancient, that are good, that we need to rediscover or discover but we need to apply to our life. Here is the theme verse for the next four weeks. It's found in Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you, let's all say that together, rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We have been invited to a lot of things in this new season. Maybe again, you're thinking about doing that sport for your child, or you're thinking about signing up to this one social commitment or, or working an extra job, whatever it may be. This invitation right here is the most important invitation that we can ever receive and then put into practice. This yoke is literally an object that an ox would put on so there is work to be done. Uh, for a long time, I thought that that literally meant egg yolk, and I didn't get it because I'm ESL. I started speaking English at six, so I was like, yolk? What do you mean? Scrambled eggs, sunny side up? I don't understand. It's, it's not that, okay? So if you're there, hey, I was there too. No worries. It's, it's, a, it's an object that, that creates uh, productivity. So what Jesus is saying is take my yoke upon you. Uh, the paraphrase translation that Eugene Peterson wrote called The Message says it this way. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I will show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus has invited us to take his yoke upon us, to learn from him as we follow him with these unforced rhythms of grace, because we can find rest, we can find peace, we can find joy and gladness through every season, no matter what comes our way. What are these rhythms? I know you're dying to know. Well, again, this is a yoke that Jesus took upon him. We, he taught us these, and then it was actually the first church that modeled these four rhythms that we're going to talk about in these next four weeks. So I want to talk about all of them, and then we're going to uh, just focus on one this morning and we'll be done. To set the stage, we're in Acts chapter two. So if you want to turn, we're going to be in Acts chapter two. This is the time where the first church gathered. It was about, uh, well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus lived, he died, he rose again, and he told his disciples, hey, go to an upper room and wait for my Holy Spirit to descend so that it will empower you to go out and I will give you the instructions from there. And that's exactly 
what happened. The Holy Spirit came upon the believers, the disciples, and Peter. Man, they were lit on fire, literally. They were on fire for God, and Peter gave this amazing message in Acts 2 that brought over 3,000 people to faith in Jesus Christ. In these next verses, starting in verse 42 to 47, we read what that first church did, these unforced rhythms of grace, this yoke that Jesus is asking us to put into practice in our everyday lives. Starting in verse 42, it says, and they, the disciples, devoted themselves, that first church, to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The first thing that we see is that they were growing. They were filled with awe because of the signs and the wonders. They were devoting themselves to the word of God through the apostles' teaching, and they were hanging out with one another, which is what we're going to be focusing on, and we're going to read a little bit more about that here, here to come. But the first thing is that they were growing. They were growing up. They were becoming more like Jesus, that's what happens when we read God's word. That's what happens when we gather. That's what happens when we put our personal disciplines, when we place and prioritize God's rhythms of grace in our lives. We become more like him. It's called sanctification. Here's the next one, verse 44. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So in two weeks, we're gonna have a garage sale where I want, to, I want you to bring all your stuff and we're gonna sell, I'm just kidding, we're not gonna do that. But they actually did that. They were selling their stuff and they were giving it to one another as each had a need. They weren't asking the government for assistance, the church was providing for the needs in the community. They were giving to one another. They were utilizing their gifts. They were empowered by God's Holy Spirit, and they were creating this beautiful community that would go on to change the world. So we're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. Here's the one that I want to focus on. Uh, it's the gather. We're going to go back to the gathering. Verse 46, and day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. They were connected to one another day by day. They were hanging out in the temple and then they were hanging out in homes. I want to go through the last one, and then we'll come back to gather. Go out. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So we saw the church increase in number. More and more and more people were coming to know Jesus and joining this beautiful, mysterious, messy experiment called the church of God. We're here sitting because that happened all those days years ago. Those very same rhythms that were active then should be active today. And we believe that Jesus, what he said is true, that when we put these things to practice, we will receive that rest, that respite from the worries and all of the other obligations going on in our world. When I, uh, 14 years ago, started Texas State University, where are my Texas State University students at? All right, glad, glad you guys are here. Uh, I had my list of rhythms that I wanted to 
start. Number one rhythm was working out. So my dad actually made me go and try out for the club soccer team because I thought he thought that I'd be drinking too much beer and partying and eating too much cheap fast food. And, and so I, I needed something to keep my body in shape, literally. So he said, hey, try out for the soccer team. So I did. So that was number one priority. Number two priority wasn't school. It was friends. I wanted to find my crew. I wanted to find a couple guys that I can really lean on, get to know, and do this college season with. My third was school. School's important. Everyone say school's important. Go to class. Do you hear that? Go to class. Unless God, never mind. Uh, that's, that's another, that's, that, that can be another uh, talk. So, so I, I wanted to focus on my studies. I started as a business management major, ended up as an international studies major, loved it, learned a lot about a lot of different things, and I wanted to prioritize. I wanted to get my degree. The fourth was church. I grew up Catholic. I grew up with an understanding of who God the Father was. I always knew he was real, and I always knew my sin was real, too. And in my heart at that time, there was a big chasm between what and who God was and what he expected me to do and what I was actually doing. That chasm was a bit too big for me to go back to church, especially as I started walking out my uh, or walking out my convictions. I realized I, I don't I don't make good decisions. I, I'm not pleasing God by how I am living. More so socially, I started becoming who everybody else wanted me to become. I was like a chameleon. If I was around this group, I'd act this way. If I was around that group, I'd act that way. And, and, and that ended up being absolutely exhausting. I am so grateful that on that club soccer team, there was someone who attended this church who also gave me an invitation to a community group. And it was going to that community group where I realized something is different about these people. They don't seem too focused on significance and, and, and making the team. and all. They have this peace that makes no sense as they pray with one another, as they read the Bible with one another, as they go and make it a point to attend this church on Sunday morning. And by God's grace, this started changing. My eyes started seeing differently, and I fully surrendered my life to Jesus, and I experienced that rest, that confidence, that peace that comes with saying, Lord, there is absolutely nothing that I can do to earn the unconditional love that you have for me. I surrendered the religion game. I gave in. And since that moment, there's been a beautiful morph in my life, literally a transformation that I know a lot of your stories, when God takes a hold of us, woo watch out. He can do incredible things for his glory through us, his church. That's what he wants for all of us. And now I'm grateful. I look forward to every single Sunday morning where I can be with you, the saints, this embassy that God has placed here on earth to talk about God's agenda. Did you know that Sunday is actually the first day of the week, not the last day of the week? So this actually acts like a gas station where we can come and we can get filled up. It also acts like a gym or, or a training ground where we can come and see the things that we need to work on, maybe redirect or reprioritize in 
our life. It also is like a hospital or like a rehab where we come and, and we're healed by, by the Lord as we worship, as we gather, as we pray for one another. We are restored and we come to be, we become who God wants us to become. All glory to Jesus. That's what church is, a group of imperfect people following the only perfect one, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why it's so important to gather. Here's the good news about the message this morning. That's my point. Let's gather. And guess what? We're here. We're gathering. Way to go. <laughs> We're doing it. So you got to deal with me for a couple more minutes because I'm going to read through some scriptures. I want to ask all of us to be a part of a community group, and then we can go and hopefully join a community group. If you're on the live stream, I'm glad that you're tuning in this morning. We started the live stream about, uh, well, 2020, two years ago, and it's been amazing to see the reach that we have had by putting messages online live. So uh, can I ask, if you found out about Cyprus through the live stream, can I see your hands if you tuned into the live stream before uh, you came in person? Yeah, a lot of folks first gathering also uh, raised their hands. It's an awesome way to reach. Here's the deal. When you're on the live stream, and I'm gonna call you out for a little bit live stream, so send me an email if you got an issue. We can work it out. Hope all will be good. But when, when, when you're on the live stream, you just receive, and we miss out on you. So you're not here. I can't see. I can't talk to you. can't talk to somebody else here. We miss out on the totality of what God wants to accomplish in the gathering of believers on Sunday morning here at church, at Cypress Creek Church. So Hebrews 10, 23 says this, let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. We did that this morning as we worship and we lifted high the name of Jesus. We said, Lord, we're gonna follow you and you alone. And let us consider verse 24, how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. There's this holy rhythm of grace that is put into practice and we show up in person. Now, if we're traveling, if we're sick, if there's all that stuff, that's why the live stream is there. We're going to keep it up so that we can continue to reach folks, but there is nothing that can replace the gathering of believers in person on a Sunday morning. Back then, they would go to the temple. Actually, the Pentecost uh, before we celebrate it as the coming of the Holy Spirit, but before the Old Testament, that's actually the Festival of Weeks or the Festival of Tabernacles. So you actually had a gathering of Jews from 14 different areas that were present there in Jerusalem when God decided to descend his Holy Spirit so that the people of God would gather and then scatter go back to their areas with this newfound hope in the name of Jesus and create smaller communities that met in homes. That's what they did back then. That's what we do here today. It says that they were breaking bread in their homes. Listen to this. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. What if every week we had a moment where we were able to share some food or, or drink, depending on what each community group does, be glad and generous. Another word for generous there is sincere, praising God for what he is doing and having favor with people. Doesn't that sound like a good time? To me, that sounds like a good time. Even when sometimes community group day comes, and if you're in my community group, you, you know this already, I've shared this with you, but man, life is busy. 
Uh, we got a lot going on. And I'm like, it'd be better if community group was tomorrow or yesterday. Uh, here's what happens. When you press in, it's that yoke. We have, to, we, we have to enter in. We have to say yes and put it at high on our priority list. When we enter into what God has asked us to enter into, he always meets us there. And there's, there's never been a single community group where I'm like, oh my goodness, that was just amazing what God did. They gathered together in groups. They shared life with one another. Church today is getting a bad rap out there in the news area of life, right? Uh, I found a study, it's a Gospel Coalition article that is titled this, No, Christianity is not as bad as you think. Five statistics that reveal it's good for the world. Can't you wait to hear what this article has to say? All right, there's five countercultural narratives. I'm not going to read them. I just want to read point number three, which is that church attendance is correlated with these eight mental health benefits. Church attendance is correlated with less depression, less suicide, less emotional pain, medicator, stuff like addiction, substance abuse, greater social support, greater meaning of life, greater life satisfaction, greater civic engagement. Children are more likely to grow up happy. Those are the benefits of people coming together in this place called church. I'll be the first one to say I am the chief imperfect one in this house. And sometimes we, we, we put the expectation of who God is on the church. We're never going to be perfect. God is perfect. We need to continue to follow after him, especially as we sang the song in humility, in, in service towards others, by asking for forgiveness and modeling that we are the first ones to claim that we need saving. Hello? If we say that we're Christians, we need a savior because we are full of sin. We come up short, but thanks be to God, his grace covers us. That's what we do as we are on mission. We do that here, and then again, we do that in small groups. We call them community groups. That's how this church started in 1993. Group of believers gathered together in a home in Wood Creek, and they had one simple mission, to build a community, to change a city, and to reach a country and world, about 40 or so. What happened a couple of months later, they started occupying uh, um, Mountain, River Mountain Plaza across the street from HEB, where the gym is now. That's where the church started meeting on Sunday morning for the first time. But it never lost. We never lost our small group focus, our then heart group, right? Heart group focus. Again, today we call them community groups. Now, Taylor said there's 27 intergenerational, so that's family groups, men groups, women's groups. We have even more student ministry groups and college groups and celebrate recovery groups that meet all throughout the county. We do small groups because when you get smaller, you grow deeper. We're able to walk with others. We're, we're able to really know what's going on. Paul wrote well, Paul planted this church in Thessaloniki in Greece, and, and then he wrote this letter. It's the epistle of 1 Thessalonians, and in it, he's talking about all the things that he did. He overcame persecution and all this terrible stuff so that he can get to that church in Thessaloniki, and he says this, not only did we share the gospel in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, 
but our own lives too. When we come together in a smaller group, we're able to share our lives with one another. We're able to go there. We're able to be more transparent than we are here in this larger gathering. And then we come together to celebrate what God is doing here every Sunday morning. Cypress Creek Church is not a church with community groups. It's a church made up of community groups. And so if you're not in a community group, look, I know commitments are hard. Two things. One, when I was in student ministry, I learned if there is a, an athletic or something that, that, that happens, sometimes we just submit under other people's, uh, the, the schedules that other people impose on us. Guess what? We can actually send an email or make a phone call and say, hey, can we change that? Or, or can we move that? And if not, then you still have a choice. What am I going to prioritize? Am I going to prioritize an activity? Or am I going to prioritize coming together with like-minded believers so that I can both give and receive of the Lord. These community groups are also imperfect. You can jump around, and if that community group doesn't work, check out another community group. And here's the cool thing. If we all actually do this, we're going to multiply times four very quickly. So we're going to have a lot of options to choose from here as, as a body of Christ. Jesus spoke to a crowd often. He walked with 12 and then he actually confided in three. He had James, John, and Peter that were his most intimate circle. Only, only those guys saw Jesus be transfigured. Only those guys uh, were with Jesus in some of his most intimate moments. And so we call those strands after Ecclesiastes 4, where a cord of two or three strands are, uh, that, that bond cannot be easily broken. And so we, we walk with two others or three others, we have that same strength as we go through whatever life throws at us. So we gather here on Sunday morning, we gather in community groups, and we also gather in smaller strands. There's this sign. If you drove in from Wimberley, you saw it. It's a new thing that we have in Wimberley. We are not only an international dark sky community, but we're also a music-friendly community Texas music, thanks to the Texas music office. So way to go, Wimberley. We're doing things. You know, dark sky, that's so we can see the stars, right? That, that's why we, and that's been a big thing for a long time here in Wimberley. If you've been here, you know that light is not good at night. It's good in the day. So if you're one of those, you know who you are, you know, turn those lights off at night, especially when the birds are, anyway. So I was driving through, I was looking at this sign, and it just kind of was just a thought. And I believe that this was from the Lord. Wimberley here on earth as this international dark sky community. But if we see what goes on here in this campus, these 28 acres on a Sunday morning, and how we scatter into 30, 40 plus community groups during the week, I really believe that we are a supernatural community of bright lights that, that, that are beaming and glowing the radiance of Christ. That as we exist in our individual communities, neighborhoods, streets, cul-de-sacs, people know there are these people over here and they're living a little different. Their rhythm seems a little different. They're at rest. They're at peace. They have joy. And, and there's all these cars parked in my yard on Tuesday at night. I wonder what's going on. Well, I hope you can invite them. Invite our neighbors to join in 
our community. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. See, we are more connected than we've ever been as a society. You can see what your friend across the globe is doing in three clicks. You can access the wealth of information that is available in two clicks. We can FaceTime somebody and imitate pretty close what it looks like to have somebody across from us. But y'all, we're also the loneliest that we've ever been as a society. Thanks to social media and other things that have this illusion of community and connectivity, we need people. COVID taught us that, that we can't social distance. That's a worse thing than anything else. It can literally kill us, freeze us, because God created us for community. The first thing in the Bible that is not good is not sin. It's being alone. It says this in Genesis 2, 18. God created humanity, and then he said, the Lord said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And I'm not saying that Adam is the superhero. It's not saying that, okay? Like, he's the man. No, it's not saying that he's special. He's saying the man as in humanity, because Adam in Hebrew literally means humanity. It's not good for humanity to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Normally, this is a wedding verse. <laughs> but really, it's a community verse. We need one another. We need to help each other. See, then who does God create? We know this. Who does God create? Eve. What does Eve mean? Life. It's what Eve means in Hebrew. See, humanity and life bring about more life. We need one another. That's why gathering is so important. Here's how I want to close. It's a mystery <laughs> that God chooses to touch earth through his church. Mind-blowing. Why, God, would you use, well, I'll just speak for myself, me. <laughs> why would you choose the humble? Why would you choose those that don't have all the answers, those that are needy, those that are broken, those that are stuck? Why wouldn't you use the powerful people that have all the resources and money, the governments that are already at the top and can rule? It's a mystery. God chooses his people as his vehicles for hope for the entire world. It started 2,000 years ago, and it's continuing today. In the inception, the vision statement for the church came to Peter, one of Jesus's best friends. He asked his crew, hey, who, who are people saying that I am? And, and they said, oh, something you're Elijah, something you're Jeremiah, a prophet. And he turned it to them and he said, who do you say I am? And Peter piped up and he said, you are the Messiah. You're the chosen one, the anointed one, the son of the living God. And Jesus said this, verse 17, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, that's Peter's name, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, our Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades or hell will not overcome it. It will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whoa. 
you're giving the keys to the guy who's going to betray you three times, Jesus? Are you sure? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not Peter's actions that Jesus is giving the keys to. It's Peter's faith. It's our faith. When we are believers in Jesus, we have power to bind, to lose, to say, Lord, why? Lord, come. Lord, help. And he doesn't always come the way that we want him to come, but he comes nonetheless in his timing and in his way. That's what we're after as his church. What does it say there? The gates of what? Gates of hell cannot overcome it. The enemy is trying to deconstruct something that he will never be able to deconstruct. The church will never be able to be deconstructed because it's founded on faith by the living son of God. So no matter where we are in our faith journey, whether we're just figuring out what it really looks like to follow Jesus, I want to invite you. Continue to come. This is a safe place. I started attending a community group. I started attending this church before I had fully surrendered my life, before I had been baptized, before I really had, had given up my pride and, and I was filled with anxiety. I mean, yeah, that's another story. It's just awesome how God moves and transforms us as we take one step. We realize, man, I'm not getting closer to you. I'm realizing how close you've always been. That's the goodness of God. I want you to, to invite you to continue to come and practice this rhythm that God's given us to gather here and in community group. Uh, hey, community group leaders, can I ask you to stand up? I've asked community group leaders to wear a lanyard and a name tag. I know it's uncomfortable, but I, I, I want to I show you off for a second. If you're a community group leader, stand up. They lead uh, college community groups, CR community groups, men's, women's. Let's give it up for our amazing community group leaders. I've called them out. Thank you. You can sit. You can sit. I've, I've called them out so that you can uh, ambush them after this gathering and, and say, well, when do you meet? And, and again, feel free to jump around. Here's, here's how I want to close, though. Uh, Joel and team, you guys can, you guys can come back up. Uh, Felix Torres, I, I asked him to share this story um, before today. Not, not, he was here at the 9 o'clock. Felix, on May 12th in the spring, he was eating at a restaurant in Houston and his heart stopped beating. He suffered cardiac arrest and his heart didn't restart for about 20 or so minutes later. And, and uh, then he entered into a coma. Melissa's wife texted me, texted the community group, and we started praying. Lord, I mean, we bind this cardiac arrest in the name of Jesus, Lord. We just pray for life, God. We ask that you come through with Felix. We started fasting. Y'all, 12 hours, less than 12 hours later, Felix woke up. Not only did Felix wake up, but those of you in the medical field know that when that happens and you're in a coma, sometimes that comes with repercussions. Zero. Nothing wrong. God worked a miracle. And see, I think a lot of times God works miracles. He answers. He asks us to ask. He may do miracles anyway, but he wants us to be aware that he answered that. And so he says, hey, ask me. Ask me so that I can show you that I'm able that I can show you that I'm good, that I love you, that I'm present. And so this is this community group. This last week is going in for his third stint, laying hands on him. So Melissa sent me this picture and I said, ooh, you're texting the wrong guy. Can I use your picture on Sunday morning so I can show off, so I can show off what God is doing in your community group? And I show this because I know that you have things that are going on where you can use support like this. 
and you can be prayed on and, and, and you can be followed up on and said, hey, how was that thing? How did that go? Maybe it didn't turn out the way you wanted it to, but at least you got a crew to fall back on. That's why we do this thing called church. We do it imperfectly, but we do it to the glory of God. So I'm going to pray. And uh, this is called the altar. So this is open. You can come, you can stand and worship, you can kneel. We'll have some folks on the four corners, one, two, three, four, that are available. If you have something right now, God's stirring something in your heart right now, you can go to somebody and pray about it right now. And then as we gather, let's be in step and in sync with his rhythm. Amen? Let's stand and pray. We thank you, God, for your rhythms of grace. These are your ideas. God, we thank you for your promise that when we take your yoke upon our lives, when, when we choose to beat to your cadence, we have this peace, this joy, this rest we cannot find anywhere else. Lord, we thank you for that gift. Father, I thank you for this gathering of believers. I thank you for every life and circumstance that is represented in this room. And Lord, I pray for those miracles that we are waiting for. Father, I pray for the healing that, that we're waiting for. Lord, I ask, I ask because you say ask that we would receive healing in this place in the name of Jesus. That any deliverance from disease or addiction or a pattern of life, that it would be loose and here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for the miracle that it is to encounter the living God on a weekly basis in this place that is set apart for your glory and for your business. I give you all honor and glory.